I'm not pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another Drive to Work Coronavirus Edition. Okay, a couple weeks back, I did a podcast on legendary artifacts. I did not finish. There's a bunch more to talk about. Um, I, I uh, Strixhaven got in my way, and I had a bunch of stories about Strixhaven, but uh, I'm back. And so I was going to do part two of my legendary um, artifact podcast. So just me telling stories about legendary artifacts. Um, it's fun. I, I, I like these podcasts. I just go back and remember making cards, so it's kind of fun for me. Okay, so we're going to start with Grimoire of the Dead. So Grimoire of the Dead is from original Innistrad. Uh, so it's costs four generic mana, legendary artifact, one in tap, discard a card, put a study counter on Grimoire of the Dead, tap, remove three study counters from Grimoire of the Dead, and sacrifice it. Put all creature cards from all graveyards onto the battlefield under your control. They're black zombies in addition to the other creature types. So um, this card was literally, we, we were making Innistrad, and we're like, we got to do the, like, the Book of the Damned. Um, and this was just a top-down, like, it's a book that tells you how to raise the dead. Um, and so, I mean, we made it our, we couldn't call it Book of the Damned. We called it Grimoire of the Dead. Um, but this really, really was like, okay, well, you read it, and okay, yeah, it takes a little little time to use it. But eventually, you, you get to summon everything that's summoned from the graveyards. Okay, next. <coughs> Albrus the Blinding Blade. So this is from Dark Ascension. Um, so uh, it is uh, costs seven generic mana, legendary artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus one plus zero. Oh. When a crypt creature deals combat damage to a player, unattach Elbrus the Blinding Blade, <clears throat> then transform it. Uh, it costs equip one. And the flip side was a thirteen thirteen called uh, Withengar Unbound, legendary creature demon thirteen thirteen, flying intimidate trample. Whenever a player loses the game, put thirteen plus one plus one counters on Withengar Unbound. So there's a bunch of things about this thing. So first off, <coughs> um, we had made so Innistrad introduced the the transforming double face cards. Um, all the ones that were in Innistrad were either cre- I think they're all creatures. In fact, all the ones in Innistrad were creatures. Um, a lot of them were werewolves, but there was like, you know, a vampire turned into a bat and, and such, a uh, little girl that turns into a demon and things. Um, but they were all creatures that transformed into creatures. So one of the things we were interested in trying in uh, Dark Ascension was, hey, was there, was there some risks we can do on it? And one of the ideas we liked a lot was, well, what if it was an artifact that turns into a creature? And we started, that's where this card started. It's an artifact that turns into a creature. Well, why would it turn into a creature? Uh, and we came up with the idea, well, it's a blade, and when you sort of, uh, you, you, you kill something, then it summons a demon. Um, and one of the running things we had done in um, Innistrad was the uh, 13 is kind of an unlucky number. And so one of the themes we ran uh, you know, uh, on, on Innistrad is we like 13 showing up a lot. So it seemed kind of cool to make a 13-13. Um, the other cool thing about this is it clearly was made with multiplayer in mind um, because it, it has a trigger that only happens when a player loses a game. Well, in a, in a two-player game, that's not particularly exciting of a trigger. It's like, I've killed you with my Withengar, and it gets bigger. Um, so clearly, you can see us sort of um, starting to think, you know, I mean, not that we weren't doing multiplayer cards, but clearly this was made with multiplayer in mind. Okay, next, Hellvault. Legendary artifact costs three mana, th- three generic mana. This is from um, Aviston Restored. One in tap, exile target creature you control. Seven in tap, exile target creature you don't control. When Hellfall is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, return all cards exiled with it to the battlefield under the, their owner's control. Okay, so the Hell Vault, for those that might not know their Innistrad story, uh, original Innistrad, um, 
there was a device called the Hell Vault that a lot of demons had been stuck into. Uh, the, the Angel Avison, I don't know if she made the Hell Vault, but she used the Hell Vault to trap demons. There are a lot of evil demons and stuff in the world. But um, when she was trying to trap, um, who was she trying to trap? Um, one of Liliana's demons. Um, I'm blanking on my name, but it'll come to me in a sec. Uh, he pulled her in and she got trapped. So what happened was Avison, uh, Gristlebrand, Avison and Gristlebrand both got trapped in the Hell Vault. And a lot of bad things happened because Avison went away. Um, but anyway, it was a big part of the story. And so what happens in the story is Liliana is wants Gristlebrand because she's seeking the four demons that that were part of her contract. And she needs to kill all four of her demons. Well, one of them is Gristlebrand, but he's trapped inside the Hell Vault. Uh, and so she, I don't know if tricks is the right word, but gets Thalia to break the Hell Vault. Um, which frees Gristlebrand, also frees um, Avacyn, because she, she gets restored. Um, but anyway, so this this card was just part of the story, and we just we knew we needed to do a top-down Hell Vault. It's, it's a key part of the story. Uh, and so really it was, okay, well, what does the Hell Vault do? It traps things. Well, why would you want to trap things? And then um, we came across the idea of having two activations, that one was a cheap activation, so you could use it to save your creatures that were about to die, and one was an expensive activation, because you could use that to get rid of your opponent's creatures. But we didn't want to make that too cheap. Um there's a card that was in the dark uh, that was a land that let you uh, set creatures. And you usually could use it when your creatures were about to die. And then you could get them back. Um, and I always liked that design. So uh, that design inspired Hellvault. Okay, next up, we go to Theros. So there's four legendary creatures I want to talk about in Theros. Um, Spear of Heliod, Bident of Thassa, Whip of Erebos, Hammer of Perforos, and Bow of Nylea. Uh, so the Spear of Heliod um, was one white-white. Uh, so th- so all five of these are legendary enchantment artifacts. Uh, and each one of them has a static ability and has an uh, activated ability. So Spear of Heliod is creatures you control get plus one, plus one. One white-white tap, destroy target creature that dealt damage to you this turn. Biden of Thassa said, whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, you may draw a card. One and tap, creatures your opponent controls attack this turn of Abel. Whip Erebos, creatures you control of lifelink. Two black, black tap, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains haste. Exile at the beginning of your next end step. If it would leave the battlefield, exile instead of putting it anywhere else. Activate the build only anytime you could activate a sorcery. Hammer Perforos, creatures you control have haste. Two in red to tap, sacrifice a land, put a 3 3 color, colors golem enchantment artifact creature on the battlefield. And Bold Nylea is attack creatures you control of death touch. One green and tap, choose one, put a plus one counter on target creature, or both Nylea deals two damage to target creature with flying, or you gain three three life, or put up to four target cards from your graveyard on the bottom of your library in any order. Okay, whew. Okay, so starters, these originally were supposed to be legendary enchantment artifact equipment. They are supposed to be equipment. It literally didn't fit on the line. We could not fit it. Uh, legendary enchantment artifact takes up most of the line. Uh, you might be able to fit a tiny creature type if it was a creature type, but there's just no space. Um, there's just no space. Uh, so we, we ended up making them global enchantments and like, well, the gods using them, like, like you, the planeswalker, the god is using them. Um, so each one of them was designed to sort of capture the essence of the god. So Heliod was kind of a a Zeus-ish god. So it boosts your creatures, uh, but also, uh, Heliod likes to, uh, smite things, as did Zeus, to be fair. (coughs) So it has sort of a, you harm me, I, I kill you. Uh, Thassa is kind of a you know, Poseidon-ish, uh, sea god. Um, so we gave it, uh, um, 
I think the the activation was to, to you can force people to because uh, Thassel is, is tends to goad people, uh, and then we just needed a basic good ability, so we ended up giving it a curiosity ability that when creatures hit, you draw a card. Um, this one is not quite as sea flavored as some of the other ones are. Uh, Whip of Erebos. Um, so he's the god of the underworld. So it made sense for Erebos's ability to get things out of the underworld because he oversaw the underworld. I think Lifelink just we needed a very short static ability because his activated ability was so long. Um, Perforos is uh, sort of the builder. So we uh, like the idea that he gave things haste. And then um, you could sack a land to make golems. So he sort of carved golems out of a land, which we, we thought was, was cool. And then Bo, uh, Bo Nylea... She's sort of the the nature goddess, um, and so attack creatures have death touch. So she's a hunter. That made sense. And then uh, you're kind of using the bow to do things. And like, so the cool thing about it is it's it has a one two three four design. We we like doing this. So it's a plus one plus one counter or two damage to target creature uh, with flying or gain three life or put the four uh, four cards from your graveyard on the bottom of your library in any order. So it sort of this one two three four thing, which is kind of cool. Um, Okay, next. Hero's Podium. I don't know if I have a story for Heroes. I'm going to skip over Hero's Podium. Next is Godsend. So Godsend uh, is from um, Journey to Nyx. One white-white legendary artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus three, plus three. Whatever equipped creature blocked or becomes blocked by one or more creatures, you may exile one of those creatures. Um, opponents can't cast cards with the same name as cards exiled of Godsend. Um, okay, so this is an uh, equip three. Uh, this is another top-down story card. So, um, um, Heliod sends, uh, Elspeth on a mission and gives her this sword. Or, or is it a spear? I'm not sure whether it's, 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 it's kind of part spear, part sword. Um, but anyway, it's, it's cute because, uh, uh, it, God's End, it, is it God's End or God's End? Um, it's kind of both. Um, but anyway, in the story, she uses it to kill, um, uh, Xenagos. And so we wanted something that was powerful and exciting, and it, we made it legendary just because it's cl- clearly a, one key thing in the story. Um, but one of the things that's kind of fun about this card is, uh, that, um, that the idea is that once you kill something, that you can't then cast another version of it. Once she, once she kills it, it's dead. There's no longer casting it. So I thought that that was cool. Um, Hall of Triumph was also from um, Journey to Nyx. Uh, three generic mana, uh, le- legend artifact. Uh, as Hall of Triumph enters the battlefield, choose a color. Creatures you control the chosen color get plus one, plus one. Um, sometimes we like to put an artifact these general abilities that are just generally useful. And the idea here is, well, whatever deck needs it, you can pick the color you want. And just granting plus one, plus one to your team is, is a, a general thing that we thought we could sort of put there. Okay, next up, the Chain Veil. So, four generic mana. This is from uh, Magic 2015. Um, uh, legendary artifact. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you didn't activate a loyalty ability of a Planeswalker this turn, you lose two life. Four and tap. For each Planeswalker you control, you may activate one of its loyal abilities once this turn is so over. None of its loyal abilities have been activated this turn. So, the Chain Veil is an item that Liliana got her hands on that makes her very powerful, but is, is very harmful. Um, so the idea was, this was this top-down chain veil. So the idea we liked is, the activate ability, it lets you sort of get extra abilities out of Planeswalkers, but it comes at a life loss. Like, there's a, there's a, a penalty to using it. Um, and once again, that, that was simply just, just top-down. Okay, next up, Dragon's Throne of Tarkir, Legend Artifact Equipment. 
Uh, equipment creature is Defender and 2-tap. Other creatures you control gain Trample and get plus X plus X at the end of turn where X is this creature's power. Equip 3. Okay, so this card came about because when they were making the world building, one of the artists that was doing the world building drew this, like... Because uh, the idea was the dragons are all dead, right? In, in Dragons of Tarkir. I'm sorry, in Throne of Tarkir. In, uh, not Dragons of Tarkir. This was um, Khans of Tarkir. In Khans of Tarkir, the dragons are all dead. They would come back when the timeline gets changed. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but anyway, one of the cool things about this was uh, when we were doing the world building, one of the artists that was doing the world building loved the idea that um, one of the cons had a skull, had um, one of the dragon skulls as their throne. Like, how, how can you more uh, communicate the dominance of the cons over the dragons than the, the skull of one of the dragons is a throne? I think for the Mardu, the Mar I think it was the Mardu leader. Um, but anyway, uh, and this was, we literally, so, so what happens sometimes is um, there'll be something really cool in the world guide, and we're like, well, we, we got to do that. And so like, okay, we, we, you know, we, we want to do the dragon throne. So, okay, okay, we have to uh, figure out what it does. And, and like I said, this was just, it's a dragon throne. So the idea of it sort of, um, you know, buffing creatures, <laughs> the idea that whoever sits on the throne, you know, has influence over everybody, we thought was pretty cool. Okay, next up, Ugin's Nexus. So it costs, uh, and this is also from uh, Concert Turk here. So it costs five generic mana, legendary artifact. If a player would begin an extra turn, that player skips that turn instead. If Ugin's Nexus would be put into a graveyard from the battlefield, instead exile it and take an extra turn after this one. Um, so... Okay, so this was another top-down. So, in the story, um, Sarkin returns to Tarkir, his homeworld, um, and Sarkin uh, is a giant fan of dragons. He grew up in a world where the dragons had all been killed off. But, he sparks. He becomes a planeswalker. He travels to other worlds. He sees actual dragons. He actually works for Nicol Bolas. Like, he actually interacts with dragons. And he comes back to his home, and now that he knows that dragons... Like, now that he's seen dragons, now that he can become a dragon, um, he decides that the world... that what, Where the world went astray is that the dragons had died. So he needs to go back in the past and make things right, which he does. Uh, well... It depends on whether or not bringing the dragons back to life was, was doing the right thing. But to him, it was. Sarkin loves the dragons. So anyway, uh, we needed a device to, to represent the time travel. So Ugin's Nexus is the the, the 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 means by which he travels back in the past. And we wanted to have to represent that because it's a big, 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 big story point. Um, in fact, I think, I think it's the very last thing. I think uh, the story point in this card is the like the end of the story. And then he wakes up and you know, he's... The next thing he's in the past, and that's the next beginning of the next story. Um, okay, so next up, um, what is this set from? This is from Magic Origins. Okay, so we have uh, Almoret's Archive and Pyromancer's Goggles and Sword of the Animus. Um, okay, I'm going to talk about Pyromancer's Goggles. Um, so, uh, Chandra has a pair of goggles that she's always had. Um, but uh, we decided for some reason not to make Chandra's goggles, because these aren't Chandra's goggles. But uh, when Chandra wa went and studied uh, at... Um, what, was it, what was it called? Um, she, st she studied at on, on um, Ragatha. Um, one of the character, one of the people that got revered, one of the planeswalkers that was revered was Jaya Boward. Now, little does she know... 
spoilers if you haven't read the story from four years ago. Um, the the woman who ran the the I don't know it's monastery. I remember what you call it, but the, the person who ran the place um, was Jaya Boward, but Chandra didn't know that yet. Um, but anyway, these are I believe represented Jaya's original goggles, um, and so. We just wanted to come up with something that was cool. So what Pyromancer's goggles do is they cost five generic mana, uh, tap, add red to your mana pool. When that mana is spent to cast a red instant or sorcery, copy that spell, and you may choose new targets for that copy. So the idea is, okay, well, what are... You know, this is Pyromancer's. Well, what are Pyromancer spells? Well, mostly um, direct damage spells and stuff. So usually are, are their instant and sorcery. So like, okay, well, this lets you copy instant sorcery. You can produce mana, and then that mana lets you copy spells when you we cast them. So, anyway, I think pretty cool. Okay, next up, Tamiyo's Journal. So, Tamiyo's Journal um, showed up in uh, Shadows Over Innistrad. Um, and uh, Legendary Artifact. You'll notice, by the way, we skip over um, Battle for Zendikar. I don't think there were any Legendary Artifacts in Battle for Zendikar. Um, because there was a, uh, most of the Legendary stuff were colorless because of the Eldrazi. Anyway. Interesting little side note. Okay, so Tamiyo's journal costs five generic mana. At the beginning of your upkeep, investigate. Put a colorless clue to- ar- artifact token onto the battlefield with two sacrifices artifact. Draw a card. Tap, sacrifice three clues, search your library for a card, and put the card in your hand, then shuffle your library. Okay, so Tamiyo was a character that we introduced, I think, in this story. Is this where we introduced Tamiyo? Um, uh, so Tamiyo is a scientist, but also a planeswalker. Uh, and she studies moons. So Tamiyo is going from place to place. Um, oh, I think we met Tamiyo in Avacyn Restored. I think this is not the first time we met Tamiyo. I think we met Tamiyo originally in Avacyn Restored. Uh, and then we come back and she's, she's still there studying. Um, but anyway, in the story, uh, something happens to Tamiyo and Jace is trying to solve the mystery. And part of solving the mystery is he finds Tamiyo's journal. In fact, in the art to the card, you see Jace holding Tamiyo's journal. Um... And mostly what we wanted is, well, what's Tamiyo's journal? Well, she's a, she's a scientist. She's recording data, right? So, like, okay, well, uh, investigate was a mechanic in the set. Like, it's kind of cool. You can investigate. helps you get cards. And then the idea is you can either get clues, which lets you get cards directly, or you can save up the clues. And then you can, you know, if you figure out the clues, you can go get whatever card you want. You can tutor for a card. Um, anyway, I thought that was pretty cool. Okay, next up, we have two legendary artifacts from Kaladesh. Um, okay, so Aether Works Marvel costs four generic mana, legendary artifact. When a permanent you control is put into a graveyard, you get uh, an energy. And then pay, I think it's six energy. Look at the top six cards of your library. You may cast a card from among them without paying its mana cost. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Uh, okay, so let me talk about this one first. So this was the card I previewed. So we did this big event uh, we rented out this whole theater um, in downtown, right by the community, uh, the convention center, and uh, this is for Kaladesh. And we had a big like adventures fair. And anyway, we had a big show where we sh- we introduced the set. And I uh, did the part about the mechanics. And the card I introduced, or one of the cards I introduced, was Aetherworks Marble. This is a very good card. I ended up getting uh, banned for a while, um, but it is a very powerful card. Um, I think we were the reason this card got made was we were just trying to do something big and splashy with because um, uh, it's a mythic rare. We wanted something big and splashy with energy, and and, and this card is big and it is splashy. Um, the one thing that's funny you'll notice uh, or you'll notice that it says pay and then it has six individual um, energy symbols. We later realized that 
we should, uh, uh, I think above three, we write a number now. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll say like, it, it should say six uh, um, energy symbol rather than energy symbol six times. Okay. The other uh, legendary artifact is Sovereign, uh, Sovereign uh, Sky, Sky Sovereign Console Flagship, five generic mana, legendary artifact vehicle, uh, flying. When Sky Sovereign uh, Console Flagship enters the battlefield or attacks, it deals three damage to target creature or planeswalker and opponent controls. Crew three. Um, okay, so Kaladesh was the um, set that introduced vehicles. And so we knew we wanted some big mythic rare vehicle, and this played a role in the story. So okay, we knew it had to fly because it's 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 a, 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 a sky ship basically, uh, and the idea was that it just does damage to things. And so every time it, when, when it enters, when it attacks, it just it's constantly damaging things, which which sort of played up. I think the this is the the government controls the ship, and so it's something that the the good guys are the good guys in the story have to deal with. Okay. Um, next up. Okay, what is next up? We have, um, oh, Commander 2016. Um, so there's Briah Ethereum Shaper, and there's Silas Wren, Seeker Adept. I did not work on this set, so I don't have lots of stories for these two. Um, they are very cool designs, though. Um, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna move on, just because I, I don't, I don't have stories in these two, because I did not make it. So next up is Gonti's Ether Heart. And Heart of Kirin. Oh, there's a I'm sorry, there's a bunch here from um this is either Revolt, right? Yes. So either Revolt has a actually has a bunch of legendary. Uh Ganti's Ether Heart, Heart of Kirin, Hope of Girapur, Paradox Engine, Planar Bridge. And, okay, that's it. Um yeah, Heart of Kirin was so Heart of Kirin cost two generic mana, flying vigilance crew three. You remove a loyalty counter from a planeswalker you control rather than pay Heart of Kirin's crew costs. So Heart of Kieran is what the good guys use, uh, and they help save the story, and so we liked the idea that it was a vehicle, but that it interacted with planeswalkers in a way that we hadn't before. So um, you can crew it, but you can also use loyalty rather than crew to crew the thing, um, which, which, which is kind of cool. Um, Paradox Engine, uh, whenever you cast a spell, untap, uh, it costs five generic mana, Legendary Artifact. Whenever you cast a spell, untap all non-land non permanents you control. I think we made Paradox Engine just to be a weird build-around card, uh, and I think it ended up, if I remember correctly, I, I, they might have made it legendary because it was, it was powerful and they didn't want multiples at, at once. I think that's I think that's why it's legendary. Um, finally, Planar Bridge. Planar Bridge is six generic mana, Legendary Artifact, eight and tap, uh, search your library for a permanent card, put it on the battlefield, and shuffle your library. So Planar Bridge is a, had a big story point. Um, so Tezzeret goes to Kaladesh uh, at behalf of Nicol Bolas. He's looking for, it turns out, the Planar Bridge. The reason he wants the Planar Bridge is it allows him, it allows uh, the user to transport, I think, non-organic things from one plane to another. Because uh, at the point, is the only way to travel, uh, planar travel, is to be a planeswalker. Um, but Bolas has a plan. He has an army of undead creatures that he needs to get to Ravnica for his master plan. Uh, and so he uses Tezzeret in that. And Tezzeret is able to steal the planar bridge. And is that is how um, Bolas gets his eternal army from Amiket to... Um... Now, the interesting thing is, uh, I'm talking about Amiket, but Amiket hasn't happened yet. Amiket is coming up next. Um, okay, so the next five cards 
are uh, a cycle, a legendary. We don't have a lot of legendary cycles. I, I did the, uh, the god equipment earlier, but there's not a lot of them. So these are the monuments. Uh, these were uncommon. Um, so there's Bantu's monument, Hazard's monument, Kefnet's monument, Oketra's monument, and Ronus's monument. So they all work the same. So the legendary artifact, they all cost three. Uh, so spells of whatever color of that cycle cost one less to cast. So Bantu's is black, Hazaret is red, Kefnet is blue, Oketra is white, and Ronus is green. And then, um, then each one has a separate ability that sort of matches them. So Bantu is, whenever you cast a creature spell, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. So he drains when you cast creature spells. Um, Hazaret is, whenever you cast a creature spell, you may discard a card if you still draw a card. Oh, these are all these are all creature spells. So they all whenever you do a creature spell, do something. Bantu, the black one, drains the opponent for a life. Uh, Hazard, the red one, lets you rumble, uh, rummage, uh, you know, discard, draw. Uh, Kefnet, the blue one, um, freezes a creature, so it taps and doesn't untap. Uh, Oketra, the white one, makes a little one-one warrior creature token with vigilance. And Rona's the green one. Target creature gets plus two, plus two till end of turn. Um, and the idea was we were really trying to hammer home when we got to, so Amonkhet is our Egyptian-inspired world, also Bolas, uh, not his home world, because he's from, um, Dominaria, but, uh, the world that he sort of adopted and that he was, he had his master plan he was building that we didn't quite know, um, and we really wanted to reflect as much as we could all the Egyptian things. So the, the idea of, um, there being gods and they have monuments to them just seemed like a really cool thing. Uh, and this cycle... This cycle was made to say, we, we want monuments. How do we get these to be monuments? And so those were done literally as, as top-down monuments. Okay. Next up, uh, also in Amaket, is Throne of the God Pharaoh. So Throne of the God Pharaoh costs two generic mana, uh, legendary artifact. At the beginning of your end step, each opponent loses life equal to the number of tapped creatures you control. Um, so the throne is... Um, the throne is a throne of um, Bolas, and so we just wanted something that was mean. We just wanted a mean spell, and that it just it just felt very mean. Okay, so next up is where's is, where is this from? Um, Commander twenty seventeen. Uh, it's the hammer of Nazdan and Ramos Dragon Engine. Uh, it did not work with the commander. I don't have a lot of stories for these. I know Ramos was made. Uh, they liked the idea of, of, of making Ramos into a five-color legendary creature. So for a commander, to make a five-color commander, uh, Ramos has always been tied to all five colors. Um, but that's all I really have on that. Okay, but next up are three cards that I know quite well. Because uh, next up is Unstable. So we get the Grand Calculatron, Kind Slaver, and Crooked Other Thumb. Okay, so I, I can tell the little stories in these, and then I think that'll, that'll wrap it up for today. Um, okay, so Grand Calcatron, uh, each of the factions, there were five factions in the set, had a leader. Uh, and so the cyborgs, um, the thing I thought would be really funny about the cyborgs is that their leader started as a human and over time essentially became a computer. So the Grand Calcatron, uh, white and blue, legendary artifact, um... The Grand Calcutron can be your commander. Uh, that was eroded, but it's on the card. Uh, when the Grand Calcutron enters the battlefield, each player's hand becomes a program in ordered row of revealed cards. Players can only play the first card of the program. If a card will be put into a player's hand from anywhere, that player reveals it and places it anywhere within the program instead. At the beginning of each player's end step, if that pl player's program has fewer than five cards, they draw the cards equal to the difference. So the idea here is 
you get to keep drawing cards based on what you play, but you have to sort of set up your cards in order and you have to do them. So this mechanic came first. We, I, we, I love the idea that the leader of the cyborgs had turned himself into a computer, um, but it, uh, it, that came after we had this card and then we realized that, oh, this mechanic, originally it was like an enchantment, or like, oh, this would be neat on, um, oh, what if we made the leader and made him this and then we can make it a legendary artifact and then put this ability on it. Um, the reason that the card didn't say you can play this as a commander on the card was we, we ran out of room. Um, and I'd always meant for that to be true. So I, I, I rotted it and said, okay, it is true. We, we, we wanted every faction to have a legend, at least one legend you could play as a commander. And this was White Blue's only one. So we did a rot of that. Next up is Kind Slaver. Kind Slaver costs five generic mana. Um, five and tap. Sacrifice Kind Slaver. A person outside the game controls target player during the next turn. Neither player may advise that player until the end of the, that turn. Um, okay, so this is Mind Slaver. Um, so, well, I mean, it's a, a riff on Mind Slaver. Mind Slaver was a card that I originally made for Tempest, but the rules said we couldn't do. I finally made it again in um, Mirrodin. It actually got printed. Um, and then it got reprinted in Scars of Mirrodin, I believe. But anyway, one of the themes of Unstable was what we call outside assistance, where you go and get people outside the game and have involve them in the game. So the idea of Kind Slaver, which, by the way, is called Friend Slaver, I think, in design, um, was that you would go get somebody else, and then you take over your opponent's turn, but you go, don't get to decide what to do. Your opponent gets to decide what to do. Um, my favorite story of this, which I might have told before, but it's an awesome story, so I'm going to tell it again, is uh, I was playing against Ben Hayes. Uh, in, it was in development, because Ben loved development. And uh, Ben uses Kind Slaver and calls over Tim Aiden, who was one of the editors at the time, who's a, a pro player, um, and Tim comes, sits down, looks at the board, and just kills Ben. Um, and, uh, like, he uses Ben's own thing to, to um, or, I'm sorry, he, he, Ben had taken over my turn. He uses my board to kill Ben. Uh, and then Tim says, never, never make me do this again. <laughs> that was very funny. So, the lesson there is don't have Tim beat to your kind slayer. Um... Finally, we have Krug's Other Thumb. Costs two generic mana, legendary artifact. If you'd roll a die, instead roll two of those dice and ignore one of those results. Uh, so uh, there was a card called Krug's Thumb that was in... I talked about it in part one. Uh, it was in... Uh, what was it? Or was it Saga? Where, where is it? Anyway, it was in... Uh, and we had made it legendary because... Um, Oh, we made it legendary for, for mechanical purposes because it was problematic if there were two in play. But anyway, it was an ongoing joke with us that it was Krug's thumb, but, like, doesn't Krug have two thumbs? Uh, and so when I made this card, which literally is exactly what Krug's thumb is, except instead of with coins, it's dice, I'm like, okay, this, this has to be Krug's other thumb. Um, and it's like, it's an uncommon legendary artifact. We don't do those that much. But it, it, it needed to be uncommon for limited purposes, but it just, it had to be Krug's other thumb. There, there really was no no way around it. So, um, anyway, I'm happy to do that. How Quark got into two different universes, I don't know. Or maybe Quark lost his thumb in one universe and then a parallel version in another universe. Anyway, uh, we're getting into parallel universes and things. Anyway, guys, so that is all the time I have for today. I, I, I've reached my desk. Um, uh, but I, I hope you guys are enjoying. Uh, I don't know whether I'll do one more of these. I'm. Uh, there, there is more to talk about, but we... 
I'm not sure I, I have necessarily have a whole... I might hold off a little bit. Let us build up some more legendary artifacts. I, I gotta look and see, but I'll do a part three at some point. There's some more fun stories to tell, um, but it might be a little ways off. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, it is fun. I really do enjoy these ones where I just sit down and just tell stories about cards. It's a lot of fun uh, and brings back memories. But anyway, I'm at my desk. So we all know what that means. I mean, this is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. Okay, guys, well, I'll see you all next time. Bye-bye.